Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. This fall, back to school is going to look different than it ever has. With the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, children all over the world are facing a different reality when it comes to returning to school, whether heading back to the classroom, taking virtual classes at home, or a mix of educational approaches. Regardless of the options that are available to families out there, this will be a big change for both children and their parents. Dr. Katie Burney joins us today and will help us get ready for the upcoming school year as anxiety-free as we can be. The countdown is on for parents out there and for kids as we head back to school. And not only are the parents feeling stressed and scared, a lot of kids are starting to become nervous with this new school year that lies ahead of them. How can we prepare our children and our youth as we head into this new reality that is ahead of us? Yeah, this is such a great question. And as you said, it is top of mind, obviously, for families um, at this time for a very good reason. Um, And especially, I think, you know, because kids were out of school for a long period of time left uh, in the spring. So it's it's been a long time even since we're in that routine of school. And there's always a transition back, um, even in a regular year, um, from summer to the school year. So, um Lots of things we can think about to support uh, parents and families at this time, for sure. Um, I think, you know, one of the things I just want to be sure comes across, too, is I I think with our new reality at this time, it's also really important that we're careful not to judge each other around decisions around school. Um, There's lots of families that are making decisions um, to get their kids back into school in the classroom in person, other families who are making decisions to try alternative learning approaches, online classes, or homeschooling. And there's so many factors um, that go into play why parents might make some of these decisions for their children um, related to work or health or other family members they may live with um, or other things in their community. So I just think it's also really important to stay up front. It's a time to be really compassionate towards each other um, and, and really appreciate that there may be many factors why families are making different decisions um, than others. For parents, it might be a good practice to be compassionate with yourself too, right? There's so much stress on us trying to make difficult decisions right now. A hundred percent. I totally agree with you. Um, and I think that um, knowing that right now, there's probably not going to be any decision that feels entirely right. Um, you know, and so I think it is really important to uh, for parents to be really compassionate towards themselves. I, I, I really think that's a, a key point you've already pulled out. So no matter the situation, whether they're doing online learning, homeschooling, or actually going back to the classroom, what's the one biggest thing that we can do for our child to prepare them for what's ahead of them? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think one of the things that we need to be doing, I think this goes for all of us, like between schools and families and between parents and children is just make sure we're communicating. Um, And I think, you know, being honest, but especially with kids being developmentally appropriate, you know, what you're going to say to, you know, your six-year-old who's going back to grade one um, or your 16-year-old, you know, who's about to start school, maybe a bit different. But I think, you know, the more we can be clear about what people can expect, um, in terms of, um, you know, public health kind of measures that may be put into place in the classroom, um, what the expectations will look like on kids. I think oftentimes we, um, when, when we don't want to increase anxiety uh, for people, we tend not to share as much detail because we think that's going to increase anxiety. Um, but I think 
the more we can practice what kids are going to need to be able to do. So, you know, that the first day back at school isn't the first day that your child has a mask on for a period of time. You know, making sure, like, this is what, talking it through, this is what it might look like in the classroom. Um, you know, your teacher might be wearing a, a face shield or a mask, or um, you may not be able to, you know, um, hug your friends the same way. Those kinds of things um, are really important because, especially for younger children, they fill in all of those details with their imagination, right? And, you know, um, the talk about COVID's been around for, for such a long time now, um, that they'll fill it in if we don't share kind of what the what's actually happening. Um, and it doesn't mean all the details to all the kids. You know, you have to know your kid best, um, and and you're not going to share as much detail as you might with with a younger child. Um, but just uh, really, I think that open communication is, is really key. Um, validating and empathizing any worries they they might have. It's it's understandable um, that they that kids may be feeling anxious or worried and. And normalizing that, that's an okay way to feel while still being encouraging, um, you know, and, and being able to state that you, you know, you believe in their ability to cope with this. That's a really important piece as well. The other thing I think parents can really do is model, right? You know, parents, kids look to their parents, even, you know, teenagers are looking to their friends more, of course, but, but we look to the adult figures in our lives, um, parents and teachers. Around, and we take cues from them about how um, how we can act or, or how we might feel in a situation. And so if kids see their parents being really, really anxious and, and worried and stressed out about this, um, that's going to come across to kids as well. So it's something that, you know, parents are going to be anxious about it, and that's okay. But just being, um, you know, cautious about how you're talking about that in front of your children so that if your plan is to get them back to school in person, be honest but be calm kind of in those conversations and save some of more of those conversations where you're really stressed out and, and really need to um, share that and get your own support, um, maybe with your partner or with friends or other family members, um, you know, when the child's not around. Do you have any, uh, yeah, like practical tips for parents to calm our own anxieties if we are in that space right now? Uh, you mentioned talking with partners or friends is a good thing. Anything else? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the other things that we're all living in right now is just this period of incredible uncertainty, right? We don't know, you know, what October is going to look like or even two weeks into September, let alone January or next summer. Um, and I think a really good strategy for for managing with that is also just to take one day at a time, um, you know, make a decision that's going to and, and think about today, you know, tomorrow, those kinds of things um, and try to stay more present in the moment as opposed to really letting our thoughts run wild about what it might look like a month or two months or six months from now. Um, because I think that's really hard for us all to predict at this time. Now, when it comes to kids that are going to be staying home um, and having to adjust to that for the first time, how do they cope with that? And, and will there be any, any long-term effects for children, for youth out there um, as we move forward? That's a really great question. And, you know, I think really hard for us to answer um, confidently right now. I mean, I think we know there are some things that kids really thrive with. Uh, a lot of kids really thrive with routine and structure. Um, you know, so so I think about at home, you know, as in so much as possible, creating kind of um, structure for the day. And again, it might like, look different than a regular school day, and that's okay too. Um, but having a bit of a routine can really help kids feel um, confident, like they know what to expect, um, and that can help them 
kind of manage anxieties and emotions as well, because they have a sense of what the structure of the day will be. And I think just thinking about how do you get in some of these other things that are really key to um, a child's health and development. Um, learning, of course, is a piece of that, you know, all those skills. But so is our social time, right? Um, opportunities to connect with friends um, and opportunities to be active. So just if you're at home thinking about how you can also build into in some of those other um, really important aspects of the child's healthy development um, at the same time. What about uh, youth who are in their last years of high school thinking, hey, is this how my school year is going to end? What would you say to parents of, of children or youth at, in, the, in that age category? Yeah, that's a great question, too. And I think, you know, my first reaction is also this is just a really important piece to validate and empathize just how hard that is, you know, that this this period of time, um, you know, has a lot of um, kind of normal things that we expect to be there, right? Um, whether it's prom or, or graduation or some of the formalities or being the oldest within the school, right? Those leadership opportunities that can come at that time. Um, and I think, you know, validating and emphasizing the loss of that, that that it isn't great. And it's understandable that kids will feel frustrated or disappointed um, about that. Um, I know I don't, you probably saw some of this, too. I mean, there were so many great efforts in the spring about how families were celebrating graduation and, and trying to build in some of those uh, almost rituals that we have for youth graduating at that time. And so I think trying to be creative around that, you know, how do we, how do we still celebrate this period of time and recognize this finishing of high school as kids move into this year? Um, in ways that maybe look a little bit different, but still acknowledge um, kind of that being a, you know, a really important period of time. I think the other piece that is really important for families and, and schools to recognize as well is kids are also going to have normal kind of stresses about this. And oftentimes youth going into grade 12 or later into high school, they're thinking about what's next, right? They're thinking about, some are, you know, thinking about university or college or trades programs. Um, and might be worried about grades to get in, right? And so this shift to if they're doing online or some sort of hybrid model, um, you know, maybe they're going to thrive under those circumstances if they're that uh, kind of youth. But some of are really going to struggle with that um, if there's a lot more self-directed learning. And so they may have worries about wanting to be really successful in grades around that. And so I think that's a piece to, you know, talk with them about. Um, there may be some advocacy and, and communication with the school um, to support you to continue to be successful so that an alternative kind of school year finishing high school um, doesn't take them off kind of the trajectory of, of where they hope to go to into adulthood as well. Are there any cues or signs as parents we could be watching for that our kids are having an especially difficult time this year once the school year gets underway? Yeah, um, I, there are, I think, some things we can pay attention to for sure. I mean, I think the kinds of things that we look out for, like as a psychologist, you know, that you're concerned that someone may be struggling with really significant anxiety or, um, you know, that things are moving into, you know, perhaps towards depression or something like that. I think you can start to see that, you know, for older teens, those things look a lot like really withdrawing, you know, spending all the time on your own, alone, lack of interest and enjoyment in activities that you previously would really enjoy. Um, or worries, often with anxiety, we start to see a lot of avoidance. So 
you know, your fears are so large that you, you feel like you can't do things because your worries are so high. So, you know, for some kids at this time, too, that could look like, you know, not even wanting to leave the house um, for fear of, um, you know, contracting COVID or, or something uh, like that. So those are certainly cues to see that where you start to see worries that are causing a lot of distress um, or are creating, uh, you know, or causing kids to avoid doing things. Um, or where you see that real shift in mood. So kids can become really sad, really withdrawn. Um, but sometimes you also see that as incredible irritability or incredible frustration. Um, and in younger kids, that can also look like more um, kind of uh, behavioral challenges. So they're, they're, you're seeing a lot more meltdowns or you're seeing a lot more um, challenges uh, in terms of how they're able to manage emotions. So those are things to think about. I mean, I think... It's also reasonable to normalize some slight increase in that, you know, as we move to this transition time of back to school and people start to figure out, you know, what are the expectations, what has changed. So so parents may see some of that and maybe dealing with some of that for themselves over the next little while. And I think the greatest concern is if you see that persist um, over time. So if you, uh, you see it lasting, you know, more than a couple of weeks, almost every day kind of a thing. Which was going to be my next question. At what point do you seek help for your child? Yeah, and I, I like, yeah, I mean, not to reiterate the same point, but I do, <laughs> I think if you see those as, um, you know, behaviors that, that change significantly and stick around, right? So like a real drop in mood um, that, that persists most days, um, you know, over at least two weeks or longer, or anxieties that are so big that it's really starting to impair their ability to function, um, and those, those are real cues that it would be a good opportunity to get some more, um, support. Uh, but even before that, I mean, I think there's lots of things that we've talked about already that you can do to prevent or try to manage some of those things that come up, um, ahead of time as well. Do you have, uh, somewhere online we could go to resources for parents to dig a little bit deeper and get prepared for these final, uh, in the final weeks of summer vacation here? Yeah, that's a great question, too. I think a great resource um, is an organization called Anxiety Canada. Um, they have a great website. They have an app and a few other things. And they've got a whole series of um, specific resources up for managing um, anxiety related to COVID. And they have some resources for um, managing around this time of back to school. Some of it's directed towards teachers. Um, some of it's directed towards um, parents and they have a great youth section as well. So that would be kind of my number one recommendation for as a go-to. Um, and then I'm not, I'm not where you guys are in terms of location, but when families are looking for greater support, um, certainly looking toward, like if you're really looking for, um, uh, more significant kind of mental health support, if, if you feel down the road, that's important. Um, there's often a lot of great, uh, community mental health resources that are available that families can reach out to. And then, of course, any other resources that might be in your community. I think this is a time when physical distancing and risk of social isolation can be much higher. Um, connecting into any community resources, community groups, um, networks that are really important to you or your family, um, and using those as resources and supports as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. 
Yeah, I really appreciate this too. Thanks so much. Don't forget that you can listen to the full episodes on your radio station twice a day in the morning as well as in the evening. You can also find the podcast version at podcastfill.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast. We'll talk to you again on Connections.